0: All right, B&B fans, we are live coming at you. Episode 11. I uh, can't believe that we're in double digits already. Two uh, business episodes and then the rest being the weekly sports podcast. Have a lot of fun stuff on the agenda for this show, especially in the MMA world. So fight fans, we're going to get into a stacked, and I mean straight up stacked UFC 259 card. I've been snowboarding all season. I ain't doing shit, but watching this fight card can't wait as it's probably one of the more exciting fight cards that I've seen in a long time, but before we dive into the agenda on the show, just got to talk a little bit about fueled supplements. The guys that are keeping us, keeping me going here at uh, business and buckets. I don't know about you guys, but being sore after workouts is something I don't look forward to, especially when I'm getting back into a routine. Uh, that's why I'm thankful for my family over at fueled supplements Uh, for supplying me with all the essential products to combat muscle soreness, increasing recovery time so I can get back into the gym faster feeling great. I absolutely love their essential amino acid BCA and hydration formula called Comeback. It's a plant-based fermented essential amino acid and BCAs paired with a complete hydration complex including coconut water and pink Himalayan sea salt for minerals and electrolyte balance. I tell you what, I'm a believer so their new flavors are out with that are out of this world delicious. My favorite flavor is the blueberry slushy, and don't just take my word. Try it yourself and save some money in the process when you use code buckets at fueledsupplements.com. I share their links everywhere in my social media. Again, promo code buckets at fueledsupplements.com for 20% off. So let's start with the NFL. I'm going to talk a lot about the fights this the coming up, but a few things that have happened that's very intriguing. Uh, Mr. JJ Watt signing his free agency contract with the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, the rumor behind that was that he sent a DM to Kyler and said, "I'm choosing Arizona. All the arrows are pointing up, and I believe in you." I think this shows, you know, I think uh, Kyler Murray's still a little underrated. I think a lot of analysts and people would rather take uh, Lamar Jackson as a franchise quarterback. But this shows people are believing in him. They're building something there. Obviously, the acquisition of um, DeAndre Hopkins probably played a part as he played in Houston as well. An awesome piece. Between free agency and the draft, it'll be interesting to see how that team really creates its roster because they got Seattle, you got San Francisco, you got Los Angeles. I think two of those teams are straight contenders and the Seahawks and Cardinals are pretty close outside that bubble. So uh, it's going to be an interesting division. Super excited to think about all the free agency moves that are going to happen. And some of the trades prior to the draft, um, but hey, we've been hearing about Russell Wilson and his issue with pass rush. It's not going to get better. I can tell you that much. Having J.J. Chandler Jones healthy. He came off an injury last year. They're going to be pushing the pace. Um, they're going to make ramble, scramble. Uh, he won't be cooking as much. So we'll see how that plays out as that division is just stacked with edge rushers. You have Bosa in San Francisco. You have um, Aaron Donald and squad in L.A. So yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, poor Russell, though, uh, I'm sure he's not going to be pleased as he's been complaining about getting hit too often, and that the Seahawks aren't seriously improving their offensive line. That's all I had to say. That was a big name move-in. We'll keep track of free agency uh, as that happens in the draft, but let's talk shop, in the mat, on the cage, as we have UFC 259 coming at us, but first we're going to cover UFC Fight Night from the week prior. Um. Going through the prelims on that card, another fight had got cancelled post-COVID. Fingers crossed, sending prayers that nothing happens at 259. Because dude, there's good fights in the early prelims I want to watch. The whole prelim card that starts at five is stacked. And then obviously the pay-per-view. I will be attempting to buy this pay-per-view. I tried last time and it was out on the west coast. So Dana White, ESPN Plus, get your shit together, please. Uh, but one of the fights that I was excited about in the fight night was Alex Oliveira versus Randy Brown. Uh, that did not happen due to some COVID compl- complications. But the card started started off pretty good with Alexander Hernandez winning by unanimous de- or losing by unanimous decision to Thiago Moises. I took Moises in this fight. I said it's two guys that will probably be contending in a very tough division, lightweight division. Uh, but I knew that would be. Uh, you know basically a fight that could leapfrog each guy's career i i think that you know hernandez was the fight at the beginning it was a very close fight even hernandez thinks that for some reason he should have got it um hernandez had more volume with 205 total strikes versus moises's 183 but supposedly they landed the same amount um and um moises was just more accurate with his striking um, but Hey, I mean, it was an awesome fight, fun to watch, super excited for these two guys' career, tough loss for Hernandez, but I'm sure he'll bounce back. We had Alex Blue Le- Leroy Caceres, unanimous decision over Kevin, um, Kroom. We had talked about this being the battle of the nicknames, uh, the hillbilly, uh, I can't remember his name, the hillbilly knockout or the hillbilly power. Um, but Caceres is a guy that I've seen from Ultimate Fighter that I always thought highly of and that would move his way up the rankings. He's somewhat struggled. uh, But hey, after this fight, he's asking for a ranked opponent. I think he's deserving. He's on a four-fight win streak. You know, he didn't look spectacular in this fight or spectacular in his previous fight. But hey, four-fight win streak, he's starting to string some wins together. We see what he's capable of. I just don't think that, you know, he's going to be able to mesh with the upper echelon in this division, Uh, but it's good to see him continually win. I'm excited to see what he has in store. Uh, Maybe a fight against Bryce Mitchell. Uh, He's been doing really well in the division. He's ranked 15. I could see that being a great stylistic matchup and something that uh, Sean Shelby and Dana White might throw together. So don't be surprised if you see uh, Mr. Bruce Leroy up against Bryce Mitchell. Thug nasty. Uh, that's That's a fun one of nicknames as well finally we had my boys pedro muñoz and jimmy rivera battle it out in a rematch uh jimmy rivera had bested pedro a few years ago i had picked jimmy in this matchup but really the story of this one was the calf kicks you know wrestling uh fighters that are very wrestling based i could see that they haven't really adjusted to the calf kicks yet you can look at conor mcgregor and the poirier fight as well um this is something that these guys just have to be able to prep for man i mean. People are going to see this. They're going to start throwing this in to see if they could take advantage or weaken up their opponents to be able to, um, you know, start throwing some powerful uh, punches, get takedowns, whatever that is. And clearly, Jimmy Rivera wasn't prepped for that. Uh, you know, this fight was awesome, even though it was unanimous de- decision, just like the first one. But by the end of it, it seemed like Jimmy Rivera could barely walk out of the octagon. Um I, I don't know. I was a little little bummed this is the fight that lost my parlay last weekend. I was super excited to, to hit a parlay. We got some a good card for parlays this weekend. Uh, but, hey, Pedro Munoz is on a roll. I expect him to be moving up the rankings even higher. The updated rankings since then, we have Pedro Munoz coming in. Where is he? At number eight. And Jimmy Rivera falling to 10. Above that, we have Frankie Edgar, Marlon Moraes, Jose Aldo, Cody Garbrandt, Rob Font, Corey Sanhagen, and then Peter Jan and uh, Al Aljo fighting this weekend for the title. So lots of good potential matchups coming up for him. Uh, he's fought a lot of guys in the division already, uh, but he's definitely on the up and up. Uh, tough loss for Jimmy. It's going to be tough to see where he goes from here in the stacked class. We had a draw, Montana De La Rosa. That's who I had picked. Shout out from Helena Montana and Myra Bueno Silva. Silva landed more significant strikes, but Montana with three different takedowns. Uh, But they considered that being a draw. It's always tough to see. Uh, Not a lot to say about that one. We had Magomed Ankaleev unanimous decision over Nikita Kralov. I mean, this guy's been moving his way up in the light heavyweight uh, ranks. He's now number seven. I don't know, you know, the light heavyweight division, especially, uh, with what we're seeing with Adesanya and, um, Jan Blakovich this weekend, there's a lot of booked fights. So I would assume that he probably lets things clear up a little bit, uh, for them to be able to, um, see what's going to happen with his next fight, but Hey, maybe a fight against Johnny Walker. Uh, right now he's recovering from a torn pectoral muscle. But this is two guys that have been moving up the ranks, I think would be an awesome stylistic battle. So hey, we'll see what happens here. But it's it's uh probably gonna be a little bit of a wake, waiting game for uh Magomed. And um let the let the division shake out a little bit. At the main decision or the main decision, the main event of this fight night was Cyril Gone, uh basically just taking it to Jarizan Jar Jarizan Jarizan yo... God, his name's harder to say than you think it is. Um, Rosenstrike. And I mean, Rosenstrike just looked lost in this fight. I had talked about, I think, guys like Cyril Gone are the future of the heavyweight division. They're more agile, they're more active, uh, a lot of mixing of punching and kicking, able to do a little bit of wrestling and some jujitsu as well. Um, but Rosenstrike couldn't hang with Gone. Ga- uh, and I think he found that out pretty quickly as he wasn't able to find his opening. I felt like he was looking for that power strike a few times, but just couldn't find the opening to take it. You could tell after the inter- or after the fight uh, in his interview that he was pretty bummed with his performance as well. And some people are blaming Gon on this fight. Like, hey, he wasn't pushing the pace. He was controlling the octagon. He was pushing the pace. This definitely wasn't his fault as he was able to take advantage. I would have liked to seen a finish here for sure, though, as he had uh, Giorizio, I'll say, uh, beaten up a few times definitely rocked against the cage um gone man what a fucking performance i mean this guy looks awesome super excited to see where this guy goes next is he's only been in the ufc for a little amount of time and ever since i've seen him fight a couple fights ago i knew that he was going to be moving his way up the rankings as he's just so damn versatile and quick i mean Rosenstrike, he was getting shocked with uh, jabs that were just rocking his head back. You could tell he wasn't able to pick up the pace. Uh, but damn, what an impressive performance by gone. Looking at the heavyweight division, the way things stands, I would love to see him, you know, not jump up too high and just like, you know, force things. But what about a fight against Alexander Volkov? I mean, that's a must-see matchup. Volkov coming off another good win against Overeem. Um, maybe him versus Derek Lewis, uh, or even Curtis Blades, I just think that would look more similar to what had just happened with Rosenstrike, So I'm all for an Alexander volkov GON matchup uh, that could potentially lead them into a contending fight, depending on how some of these other fights, like the Stipe fight, shake out. Uh, but damn, he's definitely got to be on people's radar after that. Outside of the fight night last week, Kazmat Chemaev had posted that he is going to retire. A little bit emotional, Dana White said. Um, you know, me personally, I don't expect him to sit out. I can imagine trying to recover from COVID being booked a couple times against Leon Edwards and having such a high of like high on life, all this dopamine he'd been winning. He'd won what three fights in a matter of just a couple months. He became one of the biggest, uh, rising stars in the UFC and having to battle through this. I'm sure it's just a lot, but I would expect him to come back and fight probably in the next year or so. Um, so you just got to be able to manage the highs and lows with the athletes. And when you're thrown into the gauntlet of highs, I think it's just a, a, a almost a depression crash and that's what he's going through. But don't expect him to be officially retired. Let's talk 259, three title fights. Holy shit, I'm super pumped for this fight card. I wish that COVID wasn't a thing so I could go somewhere with the boys and just uh, have a little uh, fiesta, we would say. Um, but starting off in the early prelims, this isn't even the fucking prelim card. We're talking early prelims. We got Tim Elliott, Jordan Espinoza, Tim Elliott being 34, Jordan being 31. I mean, both these guys in the flyweight division are pretty fucking awesome and just shows how stacked this card is. And I love Elliott, man. Tim is fun to watch. He's like the American redneck gangster, man. He's out there just kicking ass. He's high motor. Um... He's definitely had some tough fights lately. He's lost to guys like uh, Figueredo, Brandon Royval, who's really been on the come up, Askar, Oscarov, and Mighty Mouse. Uh, but a recent win versus Ryan Benoit, putting him back on track. A win here against Jordan Espinoza could really boost him back up. You know, Espinoza's fighting in his prime, though. He's jumping into the level of competition, trying to show that he can move up in the rankings as well. Uh, but I feel like Elliott's just going to be pushing the pace too much, especially in the smaller octagon. I mean, does that matter in the flyweight division? I'm not sure. Uh, but I think that the experience and just the Clay Guida-like motor is going to be a little bit too much for Espinoza, but I expect this to be a close fight. Definitely a, a tough fight for me to bet on, but I'm taking my guy, Tim Elliott. We got Rogerio Bonatorin versus Kai Cara France. Uh, Bon, Bon is 28. France is 27. France is working with, um, Izian squad for this card. They have three fighters in this camp in this card. Uh, both are ranked at number eight in the flyweight division. So obviously who wins will take that ranking or higher and push the other one back. Um, both are coming off losses as well. You know, there was rumor before Cejudo had been champ champ that they would potentially cut this division. And these are two guys that are really trying to find their way, um, you know these are the type of guys that you're happy for that the flyweight division still exists. Um, France with a win over Mark De La Rosa. He's lost to Brandon Moreno, who we've seen how fucking tough he is. As he gets a rematch with Figueroa, and then uh, he's also beat Tyson Nam in his knockout power. Uh, he's also lost to Brandon Royval, Bontorin, Not a lot of big, uh, a big. Uh, the competition he's faced hasn't been as big in names. Uh, he's lost over uh, Ray. Ray Borg was his last loss. So, you know, I feel like that was one of the bigger names that he's fought. So if I'm basing it off this, I'm going to go with Kai Kaikara France. He's in a good fight camp. Uh, both these guys just entering their fighting prime, though. Another very tough fight to pick. We got ourselves another flyweight matchup of Askar Oskarov, 28 years old, versus Joseph Benavidez, 36. If you're a fight fan, you know what Benavidez is. He tried to fight Figueiredo a couple times, tried to take it to him. Uh, he got it taken to him more um, than he was able to deliver against the very tough Davidson Figueiredo. Uh, but, hey, this is an awesome fight. You know, basically, Benavides has fought everyone in this damn division, people even a couple weight classes uh, above him. Uh, he's been in the title fight situation. Askarov with the draw versus Moreno, uh, but wins over Tim Elliott and Alexandra Alexandra Pantoya. So um, I feel like he's more on the up-and-coming you know, he's he's damn near in his fighting prime. It's gonna be a tough fight for Benavidez as Askarov is really on his way to contention. Um after um Benavides has lost to Figueroa a couple times, what does that do to you mentally? What are you really striving for when the idea of not really being a, a title holder at 36 years old is an option? And we've seen in some of the weight classes, uh, look at Glover Teixeira as a great example. Just because you're late 30s doesn't mean that you're just washed. But it's hard for people to gain a lot of momentum against these young guys that are just so thirsty, have that energy, charisma, and can just blast away. I got to go with Asgar in this fight, but this is another very tough fight to pick. This is a, a risky gambling card as a lot of these flyweight fights are toss-ups, but it's going to be a good one. Excited for this. We move up into the bantamweight class. Couple bangers in the bantamweight class. We got Song Yadong, 23 year old, versus Kyler Phillips, 25. I'm familiar with Phillips and Song Yadong, as you know. Sean O'Malley is moving his way up the bantamweight. I'm very always keep my eyes close on that. Uh, Kyler Phillips does train with Sean and Tim Welch um, in Arizona. Uh, f- you know they, they have nothing but good things to say about him. But when we look at the situation here. It's two young prospects in a very good bantamweight division. Uh, seems like Song is wanting to take his time a little bit to move up. He has a loss recently, but he was definitely, uh, I think, up into even 13 in the division at a very young age. So I like the idea of, hey, let me fight another c- opponent right outside the top 15, keep moving my way, getting that experience before rushing it. Uh, but he has beat Marlon Chito Vera. Uh, he's drawn against Cody Stamen, who's very tough. Uh, besides the draw, he's coming off eight wins in a row. And then Kyler, like I said, training with that squad Uh, in Arizona. Good jiu-jitsu. He looks like he's the best that he's ever been. He's on a three-fight win streak as well. Another (laughs) 50-50 fight. That's why this card's so sick, is there's going to be such awesome fights for us to tune into. But I'm going with my guy, Song Yidong. Uh, I think that he's just got a little bit more experience in there, and that's going to help leapfrog him. But it's going to be a very good fight. If Kyler gets this on the ground, I could see Kyler uh, finishing in a submission. We got Casey Kenny also battling my guy, the legend. I mean, the legend, Dominant Cruz. Casey Kenny, twenty-nine. Dom being thirty-five. This is the prelim headliner. I, you know, besides the fact that Sean O'Malley had Casey Kenny on his podcast recently uh, and that he'd been working with him, I, I hadn't had a lot of knowledge of this guy. Uh, he does have wins over Ray Borg and Brandon I've Talked about him a lot lately. Um, he's lost to. Uh, Mirab uh, who is actually helping Aljamain train for the uh, championship fight this weekend. Uh, he's a guy that really doesn't get finished or finish his opponent. He has a three-fight win streak coming into this fight. But we all know Dominic Cruz. If you're a fight fan, he's, he was the first uh, title holder coming from the WEC. And what a fucking resume this guy has. He's just been through a lot of shit. We look at Cruz's um, history. He's coming off back-to-back losses. He got finished by Henry Cejudo, who uh, ended up getting champ champ status, and he got demolished by Cody Garbrandt. You know that was the first eye-opening fight to me, as I thought Cody Gar or not Cody Garbrandt. I thought um, Dominic Cruz was untouchable at that point, and Cody just fucking demolished him, was smoking him with punches, all that footwork, nice Muhammad Ali-ish footwork that Dom has was no match to Cody's power and accuracy and speed to that point. Um, and I think that had to have been an eye-opening moment for Dom, a little bit of a going back to the drawing drawing board. Before that, he had not lost a fight in 10 years. So you could imagine all that winning streak, all those things going. He probably had to change things up a little bit as the things that he were throwing just weren't landing with the viciousness that Cody did. Um, he's only fought once since 2016 after recovering from injuries like plantar fascia, which is in your foot. As a fighter, I could imagine that being very brutal. Um, He broke his arm. He's had shoulder urgeries, and he also had a torn ACL a few few years back. His resume, he's beaten guys like TJ Dillashaw. He's beaten Mighty Mouse. He's beaten Uriah Faber and Joseph Benavidez. So he's beaten anyone who's anyone, and he really has to get another win to build this momentum. Um, He needs to be able to finish this guy, to be honest, probably early, to hold his legacy up and... um, you know, I don't know if retirement is something that he's thinking about right now, but he is, on the, um, com- uh, he, he is a commentator for the UFC. I believe he's contracted through ESPN as well. So he's got a lot of good things for him. He doesn't have to put his body through this, but I could tell that he really wants to be able to fight. He enjoys the game, but I don't know if he's fighting to continually move back and get the title again, or if he's fighting to have just a couple more wins and not have to end on a sour note. So this is a huge fight for him. Um, either way, you know, his career's in good hands. He's awesome as a commentator, one of my favorites, and I'm sure he'll do well. But let's go, Dom. Let's get the finish. I'm taking my guy, I'm putting him in the parlay, and I might even bet on the rounds in this fight. Damn, dude. It's crazy to think that the first fight on the main card, we have Tiago Santos, Alexander Rachik, 29 year old versus a 37-year-old bona fide badass. Um When I think of Chick man, I I remember the last fight. I believe it was his last fight against Anthony Smith. He really just opened my eyes of how of an athletic monster this guy is. He is going to be terrorizing this division for a long time, ladies and gentlemen. Um, But now we have the fucking hammer, Tiago Santos. Uh, At 37 years old, after losing a tough one to Glover Teixeira, after coming back from his knees getting obliterated by John Jones... I mean, he obliterated John Jones's legs as well. Uh, but then to lose to an older vet like Teixeira really dampens your career at 37 years old. You know, we had talked about earlier, just because you're in the late 30s doesn't mean it's over. So, I, you know, I think he still has a lot of competitive uh, edge in him and some determination to get shit done. But this is a risky fu- fight for him. If he wins this, especially in uh, great fashion, it could potentially leapfrog him to a title shot. But you lose this, like, where do you go from here? Uh, it's really going to be tough to make a, a title run again. So, huge fight for Tiago Santos. You know, Raychick, you lose his career, will be okay, but he wins this. Holy shit, that's going to really blast his stock up, and he could probably fight for a title sooner than later. Um, you know, relating to the Tiago Santos, John Jones fight, I actually got to see that in person. Uh, It was my birthday weekend. My first time watching a UFC card was John Jones, Amanda Nunez. I got to watch Jorge Masvidal knock the shit out of Ben Askren. Fastest knockout, the flying knee in UFC history. I was blitzed. It was a fucking awesome time. Uh, Looking to do my 30th birthday in Vegas for the fights again next year. But he took John Jones as far as I've ever seen. Watching them in the rink in person, though, in the octagon, I didn't notice how fucked up John Jones' legs were. I got to re-watch the fight. My friends that were at home watching were able to tell me about it a little bit more. But man, what an amazing fight. This guy's got potential. Um, you know, Glova Tissera is an older vet, but you can't take away what that guy's done and is still doing. He's actually weighing in for the backup in the Jan Blak- blakovic Itasanya um, fight, just in case someone, you know, all these fucking COVID weight issues, you know, so... Fuck, dude, Glover Teixeira might get in due to some bad circumstances, and if he won that fight, like, the MMA world's gonna be like, what the hell do we do? We got this old vet that's just beating the shit out of people, and I can't imagine him lasting very long, Uh, but anyways, going to be an awesome fight, Um, the fight that Tiago had lost to Teixeira was a third-round submission, he almost knocked out Glover a few times. I would bet on him knocking out Glover in the first and second round, uh, but you could tell he just gassed out and got submitted. He's beat guys like Jan Blakovic, uh, Kevin Holland, who's an up-and-coming stud fighting Derek Brunson in a couple weeks, Anthony Smith, Jack Romanson, the Joker, and Nate Marquardt. So he's been through it, uh, but this Raychick guy is no joke. He's a fucking stud, and it's going to be an awesome firework battle to start the main card. That, that would be a typical fight night headliner in my opinion. And then another fight right after this, we have Islam uh, Mokchev versus Drew Dober. Mokchev 29 is one of Khabib's camp guys that there's a lot that's been said about him. So we'll just kind of go through uh, some of the quotes that they had. So for 10 straight years, uh, there's been title fights out of AKA. Daniel Cormier was talking about this. Cormier was talking about how do we continue that out of this fight camp? Well, Islam, he's that guy. We all believe that right now Islam is the best guy with the best chance to be someone great with this camp, and that he has been victorious in 18 of his 19 professional outings and is currently on a six-fight win streak um, within the Las Vegas promotion. He's had multiple matchups fall through since outpointing uh, Davi Ramos and UFC 242, but now he has Dober, who's won six of his last seven in the octagon. And this is going to be an opportunity for both of these guys to make a statement, especially Islam. You know, I wasn't as familiar with Islam until DC had started saying things and Khabib was talking about how dominant this guy is. Uh, But the UFC lightweight division, as we all know, uh, you know, debatably the best division in the UFC as of today. We have guys like Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor, Michael Chandler, who just come in and is causing fireworks. Justin Gaethje, Charles, Charlie Olives, Charles Oliveira. Um, I mean, the pecking order is insane. But guys like Khabib says the perception is changing in the next few months because Islam's going to put on a show and he's going to be the guy that everyone's talking about. Um, But by the end of the year, it's going to be changed. He said, I don't think anyone could beat Makchev right now. He will run the division. So, um, It's going to be interesting to see what happens here. I've only watched one of this guy's fights. He took the guy down, did a typical Khabib, fucking grinded him out, submitted him. This is a tough fight, though. Drew Dober's no joke. Uh, he's on a three-fight win streak, uh, and his last win was over Alexander Hernandez, who we had mentioned earlier. It's going to be fireworks. I'm going to have to pick Islam just because what DC and Khabib are saying, I'm fucking sold on it. Drew Dober is great, but he's not like a, you know a title contender, champion type guy as of now. Uh, so this is going to be an awesome card. Second fight on the main card. And then we got back-to-back-to-back to back to back title fights. I don't know if this is my favorite because we're going for champ champ with uh, Izzy. But this is going to be a hell of a fight. You know, Al has been talking shit on Peter Jan. Some people think Peter Jan got the interim title and isn't really deserved to be the full champion at bantamweight because uh, he did beat, you know, Jose Aldo, who's passed his prime a little bit, has lost a few in a row. He got that title fight just because of his name, basically. But Jan, he's on a 10-fight win streak. He looked amazing versus Aldo. Really impressed me, uh, performed better than I ever thought he would. Um, to be honest... I mean, Jose probably should have had the fight called or his his corner called that fight, Uh, but he's a tough soldier and wouldn't let that happen. He's beat guys like John Dotson, Uriah Faber, Jimmy Rivera, and then we got Sterling, five fight win streak. I think he's really improved the past two years. He was one of those guys like Alex Caceres that I liked. He's got the flashiness, got that it factor, the unorthodoxness. Uh, I just never thought that he had quite enough or had a strong suit to get him to a title fight or be a UFC champion, and I think he has that. His last fight over Corey Sandhagen fucking proved that as he destroyed him in the matter of seconds, got his back, choking him out. I don't think that he could rely on that with Pewter just because of the cardio, the engine, and the amount of uh, strikes he's going to throw just to keep Al Jermaine away. Um, but he's beat guys like Renan Barao, Cody Stamen, Jimmy Rivera as well. Pedro Munoz and then lastly Corey Sanhagen um he lost a couple years ago in 2017 to Marlon Moraes, but this was the savage Marlon Moraes, like the champion type Marlon Moraes before his chin got fucked up and he keeps getting knocked out I mean this is going to be awesome I'm taking Aljamain but this is another tough fight I mean none of these fights are really automatic except Amanda Nunez in my opinion uh which makes this fight card so awesome But, hey, I'm giving you guys my picks. I always like to compete my picks against everybody else. I want you to give you guys the best news. I do my research. I've been watching fucking fights since Gabriel Gonzaga, Chuck Liddell, damn near religiously, and now we have them every Saturday. I keep talking about them on the show. I'm watching the fights, so uh, super excited for this. I'm taking Al It's going to be a tough fight, though. I probably, if I had a pick, would put Al in decision, or a submission in like round three, round four. It's going to go a little later. This isn't going to be a quick fight. Then we got the goat. Like, you know, we talk about women versus men and and goats, but like, she's definitely got to be the goat. She has champ champ status. She's defending both titles and hasn't even been really pushed. Jermaine Duranami pushed her pretty well, but I felt like Nunez knew what she was getting into. didn't really care. And I like Megan Anderson. She's kind of awkwardly cute. She's like a Twitch streamer, big gamer. Uh, she's too tall for my liking, though. Uh, but there was it's just an interesting fight. I mean, when we look at Nunez, I, I, all the dominance that she's had, she's beat everybody. The only woman I would even put close to her is Valentin- Valentina Shevchenko, the bullet. But she... Was kind of wavering because she hadn't been balanced or challenged. They talked about potential retirement, like, you know, where does she go from here? Then she had a baby with Nina Ansaroff, and now she's supposedly re- reinvigorated. Uh, but when we look at these two fighters, I just don't think that Anderson can do it. She's lost to Holly Holm and Felicia Spencer, which Felicia Spencer is nowhere near Nunez's level, and she's beat. Kat Gonzangano at like the end of her career was one of her best staple fights. She's on a two fight win streak, but this is basically a circumstantial thing. Like who do we throw at Nunez Megan? You want it? Cool. Let's do it. And this was supposed to happen a while ago because of Nunez pulling out. Couldn't remember if it was injury or COVID, but now it's finally happening. She's a minus 1250 favorite. I mean, that's all I got to say. If Vegas is putting those odds on, but I kind of want to fuck around and throw some money on that because what if, what if Megan Anderson does win? It's kind of like betting on the Giants against the Patriots back in the day when the Patriots were undefeated. That's why you fight. You never know. But I expect Amanda Nunez to do this in pretty quick fashion. I'm betting on first, second, maybe even third-round finish. Uh, I'm feeling definitely a second-round finish. And then we got the battle. The Polish... Hammer, Jan Blachowicz, 38 years old, versus Israel Adesanya Stylebender, 31 years old. Says, hey, I want a challenge. I'll go up to light heavyweight. Izzy, I know you want a challenge, but we know that you just want John Jones. You want that part of your legacy. You want to beat the best guys, and I don't blame you. But this is no fucking slouch. Um, Jan is on a four-fight win streak, this guy had been brutalized by the division. Looked like he was just going to be kind of lingering until the UFC had cut him. And then he changed his game up a little bit. And he has very impressive wins over Dominic Reyes, who, again, was one of the guys that pushed, besides Thiago Santos, John Jones to the limit. Some people think that Dominic Reyes actually won that fight. And I thought Dom was going to beat Jan. And Jan fucking blasted him open and just made him look silly. He's beat Corey Anderson, Ronaldo Souza, Luke Rockhold, and the killer gorilla Jared Cannonier. He's also lost to the guys like Corey Anderson. They've split that. Tiago Santos and Alexander Gustafson. But with the power and the way he's changed things up, I mean, this guy's deadly. I almost have a hunch that John Jones went to heavyweight at a very specific time. He watched this guy fight, and after... Battling Santos, battling Reyes. He's like, dude, I don't want to fucking have to do with this. I'd rather go up to heavyweight and prove that I'm the go and go beat fucking Stipe or Nganu. I would rather fight Nganu than Jan Blakovic right now or Tiago Santos or Dominic Reyes because they're better all-around fighters. If you can take down Nganou and avoid that fucking ferocious power, um, it's pretty simple. I mean, look what DC had done and some of the other wrestlers. Uh... Stipe versus Buklovich, that's a little different. I think Stipe is the go of heavyweight outside of if Jon Jones wins that fight. But yeah, either way, this shit's going to be nasty. I'm super excited. Izzy really hasn't been challenged. He's the undisputed uh, uh, champion. I can read down the list of names that he's beat. But really, the only fight that I've seen where he's really been tested and he still won by unanimous decision was Kevin Gasolum. In this small cage, I feel like Izzy's really going to be using a lot of fakes, probably putting in some kicks, the calf kicks, and try to outscore Jan. Jan hasn't fought anyone like Izzy. I know that in... um, I can't remember if it was the full fight breakdown or um, the embedded, but he's training with a guy that's a very good Polish boxer that has really good footwork to try to match Izzy. You know, can't really match him, but something good to prepare for. Uh, But dude, if he connects, I, you know, Izzy hasn't been knocked out. I've seen him take some hits, but this guy, man, I think it's a little bit different. And you know, Izzy said, don't be surprised if I weigh in at 200 pounds. So there's going to definitely be a weight difference there. But Izzy he's beat Paula Costa wine drunk. Paula Costa destroyed him. You all Romero, Robert Whitaker, who, if I were to pick a guy in this division that could beat Izzy in the middleweight division, I'm taking Whitaker on the comeback. Uh, Kevin Gastelum, Silva, obviously passes prime. Derek Brunson, Brad Tavares, Marvin Vittori, who's like five in the division now. I, I mean, he's beat a lot of motherfuckers, uh, but this is the next level. This is Paula Costa that, you know, isn't a little bitch. So it's going to be a hell of a card. I'm super excited. I'm taking Adesanya. I'm taking Adesanya, third, four round, fourth round finish. I think that he just is a little bit too much. He's going to tire out Jan, but... Man, Jan, Jan connects early. It's going to be crazy. I gave you guys my picks. You see how fucking stoked I am. Um, I'm going to be tweeting live. Uh, comment, retweet, mention me, talk shit. Maybe I'll make some bets with y'all on the Twitter sphere. I'm, I'm super open to that. But super pumped for this fight card. This is going to be one in a lifetime. Let's just pray. As of now, no COVID issues or pullouts. Let's just pray the full card happens. Now let's move to the NBA As we're about ready to hit the all-star break. And you know what that means. Teams are trying to figure out where they stand. Are we making moves? Are we tanking? Are we not giving a shit? And it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. If I look at the standings today, the East standings are fucking crazy before the break. Like, I don't think I've ever seen something like this. Two games separate the fourth place team to the 10th place team. So we got the Knicks in fourth. We got the fucking Celtics at six you got the Hornets at eight Four, two games separate these guys. I mean, the Knicks were down the other day. The Pacers were up. The Pacers are at nine. Now they've been swapping. Um, Miami moving up as I expected. They're now in the fifth spot. The Celtics still struggling. That's somewhat of a shocker, but there's just a lot of fun stuff going on. I'm a super pumped for the second half. They finally announced the schedule, obviously. Uh, my Utah Jazz had a tougher first-half schedule by uh, opponent uh, win percentage. Their second-half schedule is the easiest in the league, so I'm super excited about that. But let's look at some guys who just been hooping. Offensive leader in this in, in the NBA thus far. We got Bradley Bill averaging 33.2 points. This man is killing it. I'm going to Phoenix uh, the weekend of April 10th. I'm going to watch the Wizards play the Suns, which usually won't be that attractive, but Chris Paul, Russell Wellsbrook have a little bit of beef watching them, watching uh Devin Booker and uh, Bradley Bill. It'll be a show. Cheap ticket. Super excited for that. Joel and B, right under 30 points a game with 29.8. We got our boy uh uh dame Dalla lillard at 29.6 steph curry's out there cooking 29 and a half and then Giannis the greek freak at 29.2 what an amazing season offensively for th- these guys and a surprising stat for me the leading guy in assist we got james harden at 11 a game russell westbrook 9.6 trey young up there 9.5 cp3 always up there him and luca tida at nine one of the more surprising, stat- uh, surprising surprising, statistics to me is CJ McCollum. I mean, he's been out, but through what he's played thus far, leading the league in uh, three pointers made in a game, 4.8 tied with Steph Curry. And then we got Lillard at 4.2, Buddy Hield at 3.8, and Zach Levine at 3.5. When we look at defensive stats, ones that really stick out to me is the fucking blocks, man. Miles Turner, this kid does not play games. He's averaging three point four blocks a game. Uh, Rudy Gobert two point eight. Clint Capella two point three. Nerlens Noel somehow still doing it two a game. And Chris Boucher coming off the bench for Toronto at two a game. Fun to watch these guys hoop. Lots of things that have happened this past week, um, and that will be coming up post All Star break. I was super excited. I did my podcast early so I could watch jazz Lakers and boy did the jazz show out. They dominated the Lakers fourth quarter. Wasn't even fun. I had made a bet, but you never know. We watched it just to see what would happen. Um, obviously AD wasn't playing Dennis Schroeder wasn't playing, which is pretty crucial as the jazz struggle against very quick athletic guards like that. Um, but my whole point pre podcast last week was, they have to make a statement. Without those guys, if it's a close game or the Lakers win, they're going to mentally know coming in that they got you. So that was huge. That was an awesome performance. Can the Jazz beat the Lakers? Are there going to be trade deadline moves and other things? I'm um, pretty positive, so who knows as of now. But huge statement win for the Jazz. Last Wednesday as well, the Warriors beat the Pacers. You know, So bonus had just got snubbed uh, due to injury. He's actually getting in the All-Star break or the All-Star game. But you could tell he was a little angry. 22.16 points, 16 rebounds, even though they lost. Awesome performance by Sabonis. The Messi Hawks beat the Celtics that Wednesday as they continue to slide. Um, tough loss for the Celtics. They keep losing. They got to figure some shit out and turn it around second half. You know, even looking at trades, what could they do unless they added like a, a Vucevic from Orlando? I just don't see them massively improving. They're just gonna have to figure out their on-court chemistry. Kemba Walker is starting to gain some some momentum, so I'm sure they'll figure it out. But what a fucking mess! And uh, they're not coming into a lot of momentum into All-Star break. Uh, the Heat beat the Raptors at home as both teams were healthy. Uh, um, Kyle Lowry came back. Jimmy buckets with a. Really nice, 27 points, 8 rebounds, 10 assists. Damn near a triple-double. Him and um, Adebayo have been putting up really good statistics uh, as they've been moving back up in the East standings. Uh, that night, on the nightcap of Wednesday, the Hornets beat the Blazers. Both teams battling in playoff position. LaMelo, man, 20 points, 4 rebounds, 8 assists. Um, that Thursday, the 76ers just bullied the Mavericks without Porzingis. Uh, You could tell they were missing having a a, a big there as Ambid just took over. And then the Clippers took a really bad loss that Thursday to the Grizzlies. Uh, Jonas Valenciunas, who I feel like is underrated and doesn't get enough credit, 16 points, 15 rebounds. Um, The Clippers just need to work on their depth. You could tell they're missing Harrell. Uh, Trez, they need to have that offensive firepower and that energy uh, at the center game. And then the Nuggets on Thursday dropped one to the Wizards as Bradley Bill just took over with 33 points, even though Jamal Murray also scored 34. Uh, Jokic had a very good game as well, so big win by the Wizards. They just randomly beat very good teams on random nights with the athleticism that they have. And the Nuggets just got no fucking help from their bench. They got to improve... Either they got to get players gaining some momentum or they got to make a move if they want to compete because you made it to the Western Conference Finals last year. You don't want to keep taking steps backward with the same young core that you have. Um, The Bucks beat the Pelicans. Zion with 34 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists. I had talked about him needing to get more rebounds. He rebounds. They win games. Uh, He battled with the Greek Freak, who also had 38 points and 10 rebounds. So Awesome must-see TV that night. Jimmy B keeping it rolling, man. Uh, On Friday night, the Jazz took it to, or the Heat took it to the Jazz. Jimmy Butler was just fine in his moves. Every time they put Bojan Bogdanovic on him, he was taking advantage. 33 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists. Um, The Celtics got back on track, finally, against the Pacers. The Pacers sliding damn near just as bad as the uh, uh, Celtics. Obviously, they're dealing with a few injuries and things, but... Like I said, Kemba Rowland, 32 points on 19 shots, looking efficient. Uh, the Warriors bested the Hornets. Draymond Green getting a triple-double. 11 points, 12 rebounds, 19 assists. Uh, and Curry dropped a whopping 29-9. and uh, Fun game. Watching Steph, watching LaMelo. Uh, Must-see TV right there. He kept the game close with 22-7-6. and He's running away with Rookie of the Year. Michael Jordan came out and said he's even you know, doing more than they expected, so... Um, I think a lot of people weren't, aren't surprised by that. We, I definitely expected him to be better than Lonzo. No offense, Lonzo. Uh, but he's doing really good. It's, it's fun to watch. The Lakers got back on track with a big win over the Blazers after that four game skit, I believe Lillard with 35 points and LBJ 28 points, 11 rebounds, seven assists, consistently putting up damn near triple double, uh, numbers a night without AD, And the Cavs, man, beating the number one team in the East. Sexton leading the way. That's Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, 28 and 25. Both of them taking control. Even though Embed really did work. He had 42 points, 13 rebounds, 6 assists. just wasn't enough. Uh, Simmons and Joel, just not getting a lot of help. I I feel like the Sixers got to make a move too if they really want to win a championship. Uh, But Embed's got to be the frontrunner MVP. And then look at the Spurs. They're always fucking lingering. They're still there. They're still battling. Uh, They quietly beat the Pelicans behind DeMar DeRozan's 32 points, 11 assists. I love seeing DeRozan do well. That poor guy got shipped out of Toronto. They brought in Kawhi, won a championship. If you're Toronto, you knew it had to be done. Uh, But I love seeing DeRozan do well as he kind of just gets, you know, he's gets thrown under the bridge with the water. So it's good to see him do well. Uh, The Knicks beat the Pacers. Randall continuing to do Randall things. One of the most crazy things I had heard is people are saying that Julius Randall is better than prime Chris Bosh. Don't even come at me with that shit. Chris Bosh is, should be a hall of famer, uh, doesn't get enough credit, but his level of play is arms and legs above Randall. Even though I do like Randall and typically try to get him on my fantasy team, had him on my fantasy last year and he shit on me. So I didn't draft him this year, but he's doing well. And then the Mavs beat the Nets on Saturday without KD and Kyrie. Got to win that game without those guys playing. Uh, James Harden still putting up a good game, but good to see Luka and team back on track. Uh, The Mavericks are currently in the ninth spot, one game outside of the eighth spot with the Golden State Warriors, which leads me to remind you guys, because I forgot, there's a 7 through 10 playoff to get into the playoffs. So don't forget that. Teams 9-10 still going to be in there would be pretty fun. It's like the one-game one, car, one game wild card in baseball that they did. The Bucks beat the Clippers on Sunday. Ugly game from PG, but Giannis had 36 points, 14 rebounds. Same thing on Sunday, Lakers beating down the Warriors, and the Hornets were able to squeak by the Kings. And this is a fucking crazy stat line. P.J. Washington, 42 points, 9 rebounds out of nowhere. Bagley, Barnes, Fox, and Hield all over 20 points. But it wasn't enough. Two up-and-coming teams who scrapping around playoffs. Um, Tough loss for the Kings, though, as as it seems like they're probably just going to fall out of it. Starting the week, pre-podcast Monday, the fucking Jazz dropped another one to the Pelicans. Ah, man. It was a close one, though. Pelicans were up most of the game. Um, We're able to squeak it out. Lonzo Ball with 23 points, 7 rebounds, 8 assists. Same thing on Monday night, 76ers beat the Pacers, and Nets beat the Spurs, as Harden had a 30-point triple-double. Uh, Kyrie Irving said, don't you know expect this more from, from my guy Harden. 30 points, 14 rebounds, 15 assists. Kyrie put up uh, a feasible 23 points as well. Interesting little showdown Monday night. Blazers beat the Hornets. Uh, they had played a couple times in the past few days. Uh, it was the mellow showdown. Uh, the real mellow, Carmelo Anthony scored 29 points. I'll never call LaMelo Mello. Carmelo is mellow. LaMelo La is just LaMelo. Uh but LaMelo had 30 points. Um, the Battle of Mellows as Portland continues to roll. They're currently sitting in fifth, three games behind the Suns for the fourth place in the West. Upcoming this week, not a lot of games. Short week pre-all-star break. Uh, we got the battle of number ones tonight. Uh, The 76ers host the Utah Jazz. It's not televised. You know, the Jazz just don't get enough credit. Small market team. Fuck them, I guess. Uh, But the the 76ers are hosting them. Huge matchup. Gain momentum. Number one seeds. Control their dominance before the break. Uh, The Warriors also battle the Blazers again on ESPN. Uh, Lakers versus Kings. You know, Kings are falling out, but they're still fun to watch. Uh, Thursday, we got Raptors versus Kings. Nuggets versus Pacers. You know Nuggets are doing better, but the Pacers need to gain that momentum back. Heat versus Pelicans on TNT, the only game on TNT. We usually do double headers, but there's only one. Uh, Kings versus Blazers and Warriors versus Suns to cap it off. That's going to be a blast. CP3, Steph Curry, both teams battling out, and the Suns just keep on winning. Games resume next Wednesday, the 10th. So next podcast, I'll probably do a little bit of all-star coverage, potentially do an updated power rankings or something fun. But this year's all-star break is just a joke. I don't expect the game to be taken very seriously. I mean, the dunk contest is Obi Toppin and Fernie Simmons. I can't even remember who the other contestant is. Like, what the hell? This is non-Superstar Slam dunk contest. Um, Lillard dropped out of the three-point contest. But this is probably the most exciting part of All-Star Break. We got uh, Steph Curry, Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown, and Zach Levine. If I were to pick, you got to pick Curry. It's hard to pick against him. But I wouldn't be surprised if anyone on the field, I wouldn't expect Tatum or Brown. No offense. Uh, but anyone else could potentially win that. Probably not Mitchell either. Um, a skill challenge, we got Robert Covington, Rocco, Julius Randle, and... Um, Luka Doncic, uh, Vucevic, and CP3. A lot of bigger guys. Uh, they've been winning. Bam and Sabonis did really well last year. You know, I would expect CP3 or Luka to win this. But again, like these guys who've been to so many all-star games, do they even care about this shit? I know that there was a lot of pushback that this is even happening uh, due to COVID. Moving to the college basketball Freaking A. It is March. I am feeling the March Madness fever. I can't wait to go on IG Live, reveal my bracket, win some money on this year's brackets. I want to say, obviously, there was no tournament last year. So this builds it up even more. But the, the past two or three tournaments I've won in either my employee brackets or just friends brackets, done really good. It helps that I'm a Nova fan and Nova's done really good. Uh, but I don't expect them to be a you know a championship contender this year. Uh, So I'm definitely going to have to change up, you know, some strategy here, but looking over the rankings, fucking Alabama. Why are they still up there? I don't understand how these guys get so much credit, but they're, they're still there at number eight, Houston, nine, uh, Arkansas up there. I just feel like the sec is getting way more credit than they should. These guys really don't have big statement wins. And then Colorado being the only team in the pac 12 in the top 25, you know, they've struggled with their own COVID adversity, but, The Pac-12 is just garbage, man. They got to get their shit together. Their conference is pitiful in most sports these days. I don't know. Maybe one or even two of the teams in the Pac-12 can make the tournament, which is pretty sad for a a Power 5 conference. Last week, we had talked about these Blue Bloods just making momentum, trying to get their names in, and it's much of the same this week. Michigan State battling Duke. Syracuse, they're all on the outside looking in, but if they continually win, they could potentially get a spot, which would suck for a, you know, a mid-markets team or a younger up-and-coming team who you would rather see, but these teams are gaining momentum, and they need to make moves in the conference tournament coming up, and they probably have to win out. Kentucky looks like they're out. North Carolina is barely in. Louisville still has to prove it. It's just interesting seeing all these big names that were like always probably like an Elite Eight team that you'd put in your tournament uh, bracket and would be one of the more powerhouse teams struggling to get in. And I have mentioned the freshmen, you know, how they're able to put one and duns in. So it takes a while to build chemistry. But this is what, you know, it's hard to predict things until you see the matchups in the bracket. But some of these teams might surprise you and go pretty far because they're getting the experience from these young guys at the right time. They have good coaching. They'll figure it out. Recapping what had happened since the last podcast, though. Last Wednesday, Arkansas beat Alabama handily. Moses Moody, their top player, dropped at 24 points. I just think these teams are still overrated, but big win for Arkansas. Shows you Alabama sucks. Why are there eight? I don't know. Uh, Virginia dropped a close one to an unranked North Carolina State. Tough loss for Virginia. They are sitting at 21 in the rankings, down six spots with six losses. Uh, Thursday, Michigan beat Iowa handily behind Wagner's 21 points. Michigan looks like the real deal. Holyfield uh, coming back from COVID, getting their legs under them and beating a very good Iowa team. Ohio State dropping dropping a really tough one to Michigan State. The Spartans trying to make their name in the tournament. Very bad loss for Ohio State as they now fall to seven in the rankings. Uh, they now all of a sudden have seven losses. So uh, pretty, pretty shocking there. I would have expected Ohio State to do more, a lot more in that game. Colorado smoked uh, USC, who was then ranked 19, the only decently ranked Pac 12 team. Tough loss for them. That's probably why Colorado is now sitting at 24. On Saturday, always the hoops day, Kansas took down a very good Baylor team, like very fucking good Baylor team. But they're coming back from COVID. You know, how much credit do you give the. Um, Jayhawks, how much is it? COVID issues with Baylor, you know, for me that Baylor played them tough shows that they're still very capable. And I know a lot of their players had some tough COVID issues. Uh, so, you know, I think you got to give both teams credit on that one. Um, Kansas just really picking up steam. They look legit. The coaches really putting that team together at the right time. Illinois beat down Wisconsin. You know, the Badgers are trying to hang in there. Uh, they got nine losses. They're sitting at 25. And Trice did have a nice 29 points, but it's just not enough. Illinois looking tough. Oklahoma State stealing, just fucking stealing two wins from rival Oklahoma. Cade Cunningham in the first matchup, 40 points, 11 rebounds. I have my guy, Cody Morgeau. He's a big Texas fan. We had talked about Texas. Wanted to ask me a little bit about Cunningham. If you had tuned into the episode of the Mock Drafts with Cunningham, You know, I I for sure think he's going to cement himself as a number one pick in the draft. Uh, I think through March, you know, especially with these types of wins, it looks like they're going to get into the tournament. You know, maybe they lose their first matchup in the Big 12 and somehow don't get in. But I would expect this the, the Oklahoma State squad to get in and Cunningham just to up his performance like he did in these crucial games. The kid's tall. He's getting things figured out. He's lengthy. He's quick. He's just a stud and he looks like an NBA caliber player. He reminds me a lot of Tyrese Halliburton who's playing for the Kings and is doing awesome. If it wasn't probably for LaMelo Hoopin, he'd probably be rookie of the year. So I expect this guy to be dangerous. A lot of the NBA, though, because of the lottery, it depends who you get put on. I mean, look at the fucking Knicks. What if you got drafted to the Knicks? They're always trying to get guards. That's going to be pretty brutal. Uh, we're looking at teams in the standings that are garbage. I mean, it's it just really depends on the culture fit. Um, just like NFL, just because you're talented doesn't always mean it's going to work. But I expect this guy to have a bright future. I'm excited to continually watch his games. I know Oklahoma State plays Thursday. We'll get to that in a minute. I'll be watching that. Tune in. That Big 12 tournament is going to be savage. And I'm excited to see him on the, on the, the bright lights. Because we're actually having a tournament this year. Last year was so brutal. No tournament. I'm excited. Hopefully, there's a lot of fans next year so I can catch one. Still haven't been to a a tournament game. Um, I'm in the Seattle area. They have them in Spokane from time to time. So, hopefully, next year can make that happen. Florida State drops one to North Carolina. Those Tar Heels hanging around, man. uh, Trying to keep their tournament life going as well. Florida State, very tough squad. That drops them to 11 in the rankings. They got four losses on the season. Uh, Creighton you know build the momentum beat the shit out of villanova they're trying to prove their point i've said that i think they're a little overrated uh they lost to unranked xavier on saturday tough loss for them and then texas dropped again to texas tech uh you know they can't keep losing that big 12 is too tough uh they got to figure their shit out kai jones is definitely improving and i think he could help them separate themselves uh but jones man you got to start hitting your shots USC dropped another conference game to Utah. That kicks them out of the rankings. It looks like the Pac-12 is just super overrated. And then Tennessee loses to an unranked Auburn. Tennessee just now falling outside the top 25. On Sunday, Butler beat Villanova. Nova Nation letting me down again. Um, That would put them out of a potential one and two seed, I would assume, unless everything goes right in the Big 12 tournament and, and they get some help from other teams. Um, Iowa got revenge over Iowa Ohio State on the road. Ohio State came and beat Iowa in their house in a snowstorm. Iowa able to get back on track. And a lot of it, Luca Garza's back 24 points, 11 rebounds as Luke uh, as Luke Garza goes, I feel like the Iowa Hawkeyes go. So watch out. They'd be able to beat Ohio State. They did lose earlier in the week to Michigan, but they're they're coming back on track. Illinois smoked Michigan literally smoked Michigan and Michigan looked like they didn't want to even play or be a part of that game from the get-go. As I'm trying to analyze this and like, where does this put these teams is Michigan a fake contender is Illinois just that good. And I didn't know, I think it's kind of like that Baylor, Kansas game. Um, you know, Michigan, it didn't look like they really had it in them. They've had some COVID issues. Illinois has been gaining a lot of momentum, I expect if they played out of five times, it will not look like that. But who knows? Maybe Michigan, this was just a turning point for them. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next couple games for those teams. Not necessarily Illinois, because they, they're proving a point. They're about to get a one seed, probably. But Michigan definitely needs to come back quick after that. Baylor beat West Virginia in overtime. This shows me to first game back from COVID, two-week layoff. Your best player is having some pretty tough COVID issues. Um, barely lose to Kansas. That's a tough loss, obviously. But then to beat a very, very good West Virginia te- uh, team in overtime shows that they were able to get the conditioning back, have the legs, have the heart to do it. I just really like this Baylor team. Um, and getting a win like that, I think, proves a lot. Purdue beat Wisconsin. Wisconsin losing another one, man. I don't know how this team still ranked. They got nine losses, which is... Damn near two more than anyone. Kansas has eight, and so does Purdue, that are still in the top twenty-five. I just this—I don't see this team really gaining a lot more traction in the tournament. They would have to have a really good opponents matched up for them to do much. This upcoming week, though, last weekend jam-packed games before conference tournament next week, and then we get to start talking about that. I'll release the bracket. We'll dissect the bracket on the show, um, but. Big East uh, battle Wednesday before tournament as Creighton travels to Philly this time to take on Villanova in that rematch. Creighton took it to Villanova last time. I'm interested to see how Jay Wright gets the squad prepped up in this matchup. Uh, But Thursday, Oklahoma State, we got the guy, Cade Cunningham, taking on Baylor in the rematch. Uh, Texas battles Oklahoma to get momentum. Oklahoma dropping a couple very close games to Oklahoma State. I'm sure they got fire under their ass But Oklahoma's overrated, so I'm taking Texas. Um, Oklahoma won the first matchup by one point, so this should be a good one. You know, This is all set in the the page, set in the tone before conference play, Uh, the conference tournament, I should say. And then this Saturday, we have Oklahoma State versus West Virginia. West Virginia had won the first matchup by three points, so I would expect this to be another close one. And then probably one of my favorite games this weekend, Illinois versus Ohio State. After Ohio State lost like that, Illinois demolishing Michigan. Let's see how the coaches can get their teams to manage these highs and lows. Uh, Because Ohio State, if they want good seeding like they thought they were going to get until this week, you have to win that game. And if Illinois is really as good as they looked against Michigan, they'll probably smack Ohio State. So I'm interested to see how that one plays out. On Sunday, Wisconsin plays Iowa. I mean, if Wisconsin is still in the top 25, I'd assume they'd make the tournament this has got to be a prove it game you keep losing games you got to prove that you're you know, quality you can get in there and uh, we'll see what trice and squad can do texas tech versus baylor also sunday that's going to be awesome seeing mcclung go against the uh, trio of guards that butler has and then we got the state rivalry the michigan state spartans versus michigan the spartans on a roll they got to get this win though and i'm interested to see what happens in that they got to get this win and then the conference tournaments will start, I believe, on Tuesday with the low seeded games. And the bracket reveal typically early Sunday. Meh, Sunday evening. So you got a few more minutes before the battery dies. Let's finish out the show. We got a little bit of MLB. Supercross is off this weekend. Uh, they have a Saturday race in Daytona coming up for the next podcast. So we'll talk about that as they're in their midseason break. Um, a couple just headlines in baseball. First one, why the hell is Mickey Calloway still with the angels after the Mets and Indians both said that they're not surprised about this news of him and sexual harassment. Ugh, Madden is a bad look. Like we got trout. We need to win now. Get the hell, get the hell, get rid of him and the him, the hell out of the clubhouse. Um, triple a supposedly going to be postponed a month. That's of now. I'm sure that's not going to be official. It could get postponed again. I feel for these players, man. Baseball has to be one of the hardest sports to make it to a professional roster. And last year, them not having no season. This year, getting postponed. We'll see what happens with the season. But these kids are going through a lot, especially the kids from from overseas in AAA. Um, I did a a college thesis on baseball and how it's a rich person sport and you really have to battle your way. I got a lot of heated sports debates when people thought Kyler Murray was going to play baseball. It's like, dude, would you take... A shitty contract getting drafted in baseball to have to work your way up through all these leagues and have the potential to get that fat payday or do you want to be a starting number one overall quarterback and get a gigantic payday guaranteed right away and you're a superstar i ask all of you guys on business and buckets my fans if to name me probably 15 baseball players uh or five players on one team i'd be surprised if most of you could not a lot of people know baseball players Everyone knows starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Like that's no shock. So I I just feel for these triple A guys. And then the segments that I'm bringing out every week, we got my non-story story story and the best sports take of the week. I was looking for a good sports take. I couldn't find one. If you guys have a sports take, message me at uh, Podcast Buckets on Twitter, um, at Business and Buckets Podcast on Instagram, wherever. Throw them to me. I could put your sports takes on here. But there was nothing that really stuck out for me that I really wanted to share. But my non-story story story is in baseball, and that's Trey Mancini. He's one of my favorite guys uh, in the league. I I had drafted him in fantasy. Uh, He had done 35 home runs and 97 RBIs the year before, and then he got diagnosed with colon cancer, which can be pretty brutal. Uh, But he's recovered. He's playing. He got a standing ovation in in, uh, spring training, which is really awesome. That's my non-story story. Just a you know round of applause, Trey Mancini. It's great to see you out there. I feel like these baseball guys don't get a lot of uh, respect, but super excited to see what he can do in his recovery. That's it. Business episode 11. Uh, business of Buckets episode 11. We're in the teens, baby. We're gonna keep this thing going, keep improving the show, and shout out Fueled Supplements for keeping my lights on, keeping me going. Uh, check them out, FueledSupplements.com. Use my code promotion code buckets for 20% off, get your proteins, get your pre-workouts, get your field greens, whatever you need. They got you covered and we'll come at you next week after this awesome fight card, a little bit of all-star break, got super cross coming back. Uh, talk to you then guys.